You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak alongside Steve Geller. Thanks for joining us as always. Remember to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And as we mentioned in the opening segment, we're being joined by a guest that can help us break down what the Saints will be expecting in the Baltimore Ravens. He's the host of Locked on Ravens and the managing editor for Ravens Wire is Kevin Ostriker. How are you doing today, man? Um, I'm doing well. I know we're, we're both kind of reeling about wide receiver news where I know we're going to talk about it, but hey, it's Monday Night Football, it's Saints, Ravens, and I'm personally really excited for it. Are you going to be heading into town for uh, to New Orleans for this? No, unfortunately not. I wasn't able to make it work, but I was in New Orleans for the Super Bowl when the Ravens played back in 2013, and I, I loved my time in the city there. It was really cool, and the Ravens won, so that was a bonus. <laughs> we remember that well because the power went out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I was, I was on the side of the field where the power was on. So I could see where the power, maybe Beyonce did it. Maybe someone who know who knows what the reason was. Ray Lewis though, has his theories about what happened though. Oh, does he? What, what yeah, he, he, you see, he said, I, I think it was the, uh, the Super Bowl documentary. He said, you're a billion dollar industry and the lights go out in the biggest game of the year. That can't be a coincidence or something like that. I don't think that was an exact quote, but I don't know what happened, but the Ravens won, although they got out, what was it, like a 28 to seven lead in the early third quarter and the, the 49ers come storming back, but the Ravens won. And so now two and zero in Super Bowls for Baltimore. So I will say that if you've ever lived in the city, you, and dealt with energy, you, you want, you, yeah. you believe completely that they could have just, screwed up the power grid in that moment uh there's also a kind of a funny promo that they play before the saints games where some guy goes to like a power breaker (laughs) turns it on which is like them saying like oh get the energy up but i'm just that might also just be the breaker that someone turned off when the power went out but yeah i mean there's been a lot of interesting raven saints moments the one that comes to mind most vividly is the justin tucker missed pat and he just has that like that clip of him just with the craziest look in his eyes. Like he can't believe what just happened to him. And it's like, yeah, I I can't believe it either. I remember watching that game live. Like, did that just happen? I remember, um, yeah, I remember exactly yeah. where I was and he, he looked like me when he missed the extra point. Cause there, he's missed like, I, I'm not right. 
Yeah. No, it anyway. wasn't the exact, I don't know the exact number, but I think he has missed single digit extra points. It might be five or six or something like very little. And so in that moment, after the Ravens tie the game, it's like, oh, this is going overtime. This is going to be great. And then he, you know, does the most uncharacteristic Justin Tucker thing ever. But he has said actually an interesting point that it is actually harder now to kick inside MT Bank Stadium because of the way the winds go in and out and the way this, this new scoreboards they've installed over the past couple of years work. So he actually does believe it's hard to kick at MT Bank Stadium, which I actually think makes his, his accomplishments even that much more impressive well you know the the saints and the ravens are also inextricably linked at the at the kicker position because the reason the saints have will lots is because justin tucker exists the you know it was a good find by john harbaugh again obviously because he's still in town but let's talk about some more pertinent things now you know obviously the saints saints fans are reeling from the michael thomas news but, you know, they might feel better knowing that Ravens fans are feeling the exact same way. What, what's going on with Rashad Bateman these days? Yeah, super unfortunate news for Baltimore coming down on Thursday as John Harbaugh did announce that Bateman has decided, you know, he talked it over with his family and everybody that he's going to have surgery for a Liz Frank injury. And those are always really tough, really complicated. Marquise Brown had one when the Ravens drafted him in 2019 and he had screws in his foot and everything. But he's been out for a couple. Well, he actually returned for Tampa in week eight, but wasn't able to finish out the game. And it is, it's a loss for them. He's effectively their number one wide receiver. They don't go out and acquire somebody at the deadline. So they now move forward with Devin Duvernay, who has played well, admittedly. He's been really, really good for them this year, but he is now their number one. Other guys include James Prochet, Demarcus Robinson, Tylen Wiles. Feels like Deshaun Jackson's going to get either the call up to the active roster permanently or for this week to play the Saints on Monday night. Andy Isabella's on their practice squad. So Bateman is a, a pretty big loss. Maybe the Ravens call about Odell Beckham. Maybe Will Fuller comes to town, but for now, it is a lot of inexperience in that wide receiver room. But, you know, I've been impressed with Duvernay and the fact also that in reality, the pass offense doesn't run through the wide receivers anyway. It runs through the tight ends. It's Mark Andrews. It's Isaiah Likely. So in hindsight, it's like, okay, well, you, I thought the Baltimore should have gone out there and gotten a wide receiver in the offseason. They bring in only Demarcus Robinson. I thought they should have traded for one at the deadline because of this situation where everybody has to move up a rung on the ladder now that Bateman is out. And so if let's say, you know, Devin Duvernay goes down, which I think now is absolutely worst case, you have to move everybody up again. And then it becomes who is your number is Deshaun Jackson, your number one wide receiver at that point. So it becomes a bit of an issue, but Bateman's super talented. He, He's been a bit injury prone over the first couple years of his career, but through week eight was actually the third leading wide receiver in yards per catch with 19. So he's a big play threat, but only 15 catches total on the year. So speedy recovery for him. And he said that he'll see everybody next year. And I, I hope it'll be a big bounce back. I know two big uh, pieces to that offense two appearing on the injury report in uh, Mark Andrews and also Gus Edwards. What are you expecting their status to be for this Monday night matchup in New Orleans? Yeah, it can be so hard, especially like Monday night. You have the injury report starting on Thursday instead of yeah. Wednesday. So I think it'll be, it'll be big for them tomorrow. If Andrews is able to get in a limited practice at least, I feel like that would be very good. Maybe what we'll see is did not practice, did not practice limited. I would think that for Edwards, he will be potentially okay to play. John Harbaugh said it's not super serious, but if he were to miss maybe sometime, it would be this week against the Saints. So definitely iffy for both of those guys. If they're not able to go, 
We're going to see Isaiah likely a ton in that offense, much like we saw in Tampa Bay in week eight. And then if, if Edwards can't go, it'll be Kenyon Drake and, and Justice Hill kind of carrying that workload, maybe some Mike Davis sprinkled in there too. So it's a little early to tell definitely, especially with, you know, a Monday night game happening. But if either one of those guys is able to log at least limited practice in the next two days on Friday or Saturday, I think that we'll have some more clarity on it. But if, if it's did not practice all the way through, I think they'd be pretty cautious because that's what they've been all year with their guys. Yeah, and obviously that Monday start gives you an extra day to get to get better. So that that's always helpful. Just kind of backtracking a bit, you know, you mentioned Devin Duvernay, and I think he's on the verge of being a star receiver that people know about, but he's just he's not quite there yet. I know about him pretty well because my fantasy draft, he had he had these crazy high projections and I could not figure them out. But like I took him as a flyer in like the 15th round because no one was touching him. And he's been great. I mean, <laughs> and and I think what Saints fans are gonna be interested to kind of learn about is like He's not just your stereotypical, like, okay, deep threat. Like, he's being worked into the offense in a lot of interesting ways. I think he ran for a touchdown on an end around last week, or at least I think it was an end around. I know he ran for it. I'm pretty sure he's the only player in the NFL that has returned a kick for a touchdown this year, uh, or at least he was going into last week. So, you know, what what does he do well? And, you know, what should – where does he stress the defense most? You know, I know a lot of people when they first look at Devin DuVernay, they see the receiving, they see the rushing, and I think, oh, gadget guy. But he yeah. he's more than a gadget guy. He can't he can do that stuff and he's good at it. You know, he did have the rushing touchdown last week, one of the best returners in the NFL. But he is a very good wide receiver. He has shown a lot of improvement this year in terms of contested catchability, playing a lot bigger than his size indicates. He's gone up for multiple toe-tapping touchdowns in the end zone, which have been incredible. He's also a deep threat too, has speed to him, and he was a player in the 2020 draft that some people or I think most people had him pegged as maybe a late fourth early fifth maybe early sixth round guys in some cases he was taken at the end of the third round by the Ravens they really really liked him and this is exactly what they were envisioning when they decided not to go out there and acquire a star wide receiver only bring in Marcus Robinson they put trust in the young guys and this is exactly what they wanted to see Devin DuVernay has ascended this year and he's somebody who can stress a defense in multiple. I mentioned the deep threat ability. He also is able to get underneath and work underneath. But Baltimore likes to put him in motion a lot, too. They like to use him in, in decoy deception roles where you have to respect his ability with the ball because he has been so good this year in terms of those big plays where sometimes they'll motion him in front of Lamar Jackson and they'll do some RPO action together where Lamar Jackson will take the ball at the middle. And that play has been like an automatic first down. Or t- I know people talk about the Taysom Hill power, but, you know, being automatic. But. The, the, the up the middle Lamar Jackson run is also automatic. So two automatic plays going head to head on Monday night. But I'm really impressed with DuVernay so far. And if he wasn't producing the way he was, Baltimore would be in a much bigger heap of trouble at wide receiver than they are right now. So credit to him for being able to elevate his game in his third season. And I think a lot of people now want to see maybe an extension getting him now when he is still, let's say, relatively cheap. You know, I think he's only going to continue to ascend. Baltimore has been able to get some guys under contract before they hit the open market on very team friendly deals. It also helped the player out, too. And I think that's another guy who you could see that happen with. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
You know, you mentioned in getting guys under contract. Obviously, they didn't get Lamar, a deal done with Lamar Jackson. But what in the world happened the other night? I saw something where Chris Jericho of the AE at an <laughs> AEW event calling out Lamar on the mat. What's going on there? Yeah, Lamar was, Lamar was a big wrestling fan growing up. And I know that he, he's been very in tune with that. And he posted on Instagram, you know, he him meeting a lot of legends from the wrestling world and so he he, he talked about it during uh thursday's media availability where he said at first he didn't hear what chris jericho said and then he, he realized and he said you know oh this man is crazy but it, you know they, they met and everything and it, it, it was a really cool moment for him i'm sure and also for the guys you know on the mat it was something that is, is a part of him as the big wrestling growing up background and it was it was funny to see especially that clip kind of go viral on twitter on Wednesday night because, you know, he was just out enjoying himself and he gets the, the little call out on the mat from Chris Jericho, which is funny. We're talking to Kevin Ostriker, host of Lockdown Ravens, managing editor for Ravens Wire. And, you know, something that we see in the NFL week in, week out now is coaches who either are just all in on analytics and just do whatever they tell them or like, you know, to make these kind of strange decisions that at the end, you know, you're going to get the explanation. Well, the analytics said go. And, you know, I haven't been able to watch a ton of Ravens games this year, but in the ones I have watched, it seems like John Harpo is one of those guys. You know, there's times where it's like, oh, why didn't they kick the field goal? Why did they go for two? You know, is that something that has kind of developed over the last few years with him and the Ravens specifically? It has. It has. They have been very analytics based over the last couple of seasons. You can go back to last year where the Ravens on that six game losing streak, they had multiple opportunities to tie the game with an extra point after scoring a touchdown to what you would have think tie the game late, but they were down by a point. Instead of tying it, they go for two and they were just never successful losing games by one point, losing games by two points when they could have kicked a field goal in the second quarter, but instead they go for it. And it was a big contention point against a team like the Bills in week four, where they had an opportunity to kick a field goal, go up by three with right around three, four minutes left. They decided to go for it. They don't get it. The Bills drive down the field and they win by a field goal. And so I think for the Ravens, it's about trust in the offense. I mean, when you have Justin Tucker, there's no, there's no like non-trust factor in your kicker situation. You have the best kicker of all time, in my opinion, on that sideline. So to keep him out, you know, Lamar Jackson's a very competitive player, very passionate player. And we've seen him multiple times kind of shoe off Justin Tucker and shoe off the special <laughs> teams unit and say, no, I, I've got this. I mean, the most memorable one of those comes back in 2019 against Seattle, where he pretty much talks to John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh says, hey, Lamar, you want to go for it? And he says, you know, yeah, let's go for it. And the team goes out there, they score a touchdown, and that ends up propelling him to a win. It was the revenge game for Earl Thomas, which is another story in itself. But I think for what Baltimore has, they trust each other. They're never going to let anybody on the outside tell them what they're going to do or what they're not going to do. And so I think that the head coach quarterback bond that Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh have is real. But in some of those situations, I know me personally and others, some people just want to say, take the points. You know, you can take the points, especially earlier in the game. We've seen it pay off for him. We've also seen it not pay off for him. More recently, it has been in the not pay off category. So when the Ravens get a fourth and one at like the Saints, 45 yard line don't be surprised if john harbaugh goes for it on right Monday and that's, night. that's I, why i, I bring it up shocked. because like there's going to be moments in this game where fans in the stands are like wait what you know yeah. it there's they're they're sitting in field goal range and they're not kicking it because it's like not the analytics they go and it's i think that does put pressure on a defense because it, it you can't like just let up like you have to go all the way through fourth down like you can't just say oh well okay they're gonna kick the extra point here and so I think it does add pressure but when it doesn't work those moments get amplified especially when it loses you a game and I, I do think it's like you have to be a 
very a coach that is very secure feeling in your job to do something like go for two instead of tying a game. And I think Josh McDaniels did it this year. And I'm like, I don't know if Josh McDaniels is that secure in his job that he should be doing that. Like John Harbaugh, you know, it's like if he wants to leave, he'll leave like Sean Payton did. But John Harbaugh is not getting canned. So I think it makes it a little easier. But I just think it's funny. No, and and it's interesting because I wonder how many of these coaches when they're in those situations think to themselves on third down, well, this is four down territory anyway, so it'll change up the play calling for them to say, hey, even if even if we get four yards on third and six, we're still going for it on fourth and two in this situation, maybe the Saints 35 yard line. So I'm interested to know about that because it might even the analytics based opinions and analytics based mindset might change how offenses call their games if they think it's four down territory from a certain yard marker on. Looking at the Ravens at the trade deadline, they were one of the active teams in that frenzy of uh, deals getting done on the deadline day. How surprised were you, though, that it was for a linebacker in Roquan Smith instead of adding like a wide receiver to this team? Yeah, I I think in terms of surprise level, inside linebacker was one position that I had floated in multiple different situations. I didn't think it was the top priority or what the Ravens are ultimately going to get. But I, I saw a deal for maybe an inside linebacker. Now, I thought that Roquan Smith and the price tag contract-wise maybe would have been a bit too steep because we all know that that is an impending situation with him being a free agent at the end of the season. But I'm very pleasantly surprised Baltimore and out there, and they made this move. Smith is one of the best at his position, great in coverage, pursuit, sacks at his position as well. I mean, a two-time Pro Bowl, or All-Pro, excuse me, at 25 years old, it's not, nothing to scoff at. He is, a, he is somewhat of a high-risk, high-reward player but the risk that he takes sometimes pay off in, in a massive way. And the Ravens acquired someone similar to that in Marcus Peters back in 2019, who was also known as a high-risk, high-reward player. But he's panned out very well in Baltimore. And I think him playing next to Patrick Queen, playing on a defense, just beginning to find its stride, is going to be great. But the big question now is, is this a rental? Is it just a half-a-season thing? Or is this going to be a long-term extension? Roquan Smith does not have an agent, much like Lamar Jackson does not have an agent. So those are going to be two situations they'll have to monitor and figure out. What does it mean for Patrick Queen and his future? Do they pay both guys? Do they let one walk i know there's been stuff about people are saying oh you got to pick one you got to pick lamar you got to pick roquan i don't necessarily see it that way but i think that at the same time giving up a second round pick is not something that baltimore does just on a whim it's a big deal for them to make that kind of move where they're giving up that high draft capital so that they believe in their defense they believe in roquan smith and i think the move signals that they do have Super Bowl aspirations this year, not that they did in the beginning of the year, but they still have those. But not trading for a wide receiver after it, I think, was a little bit shocking to me. I still thought maybe they could have parted with a conditional late-round pick for maybe a Kendrick Bourne, maybe a Nelson Aguilar, more a Marvin Jones. But after seeing Chase Claypool go for a second, I have no idea what that market was. Right. <laughs> wide receivers are expensive. They're, yeah. they're expensive to sign. They're expensive to trade for. You know, you did mention Marcus Peters. and We talked about some of these Saints connections with the Ravens. And I, I do feel obligated to point out that Marcus Peters was the player in coverage on Michael Thomas's 72-yard touchdown when he did the cell phone celebration. Uh, so the Saints and him go way back. He and Sean Payton have had, had it out, uh, I think, that season as well. That was back with the Rams. But, you know, it's, it's always fun to see familiar faces come back to town. How has he looked kind of in that defense this year? He, he's looked great. He had the ACL injury in 2021, missed the whole right. season. The Ravens defense felt it. He, he's one of their biggest high turnover players, high impact players. And he just, he makes the game better for the defense when he's out there. He had a couple weeks of snap counts kind of settling back in, but I call him one of the saviors of the Baltimore defense. The Ravens defense was giving up a lot of big plays early on in the season. People look back to the Dolphins game in week two, where they blew the 21 point lead. 
it was 40 yard touchdown after 60 yard touchdown and they just couldn't two it through for six touchdowns like 500 some yards that game but peters has come in and really stabilized the secondary him and marlon humphrey are looking back to the fruit punch duo as they call them you know you got juice man and fruit punch over there so it's it's been really really great to see marcus peters back in the fold and someone who means so much both on the field and off to that defense he's he's been a big part i think of why the defense has turned around and been as good as they've been over this past month or so that wraps up this segment of inside black and gold going to be coming back with more steve geller and jeff nowak joined by kevin allstriker breaking down more of this ravens versus saints monday night matchup in the caesar superdome